This is HPR episode 2107 entitled, Make Files for Everyday Use. It is hosted by John Culp and is about 23 minutes long. The summary is, I talk about how I use Make Files in my Lilypond and HTML projects. This episode of HPR is brought to you by anhonesthost.com. Get 15% discount on all shared hosting with the offer code HPR15. That's HPR15. Better web hosting that's honest and fair at anhonesthost.com. This is John Culp in Lafayette, Louisiana, recording another show for Hacker Public Radio. I think I can get one more of these in before the semester kicks off for real on Monday. Um, I, first, before I get started, I want to uh, thank the, the person who reached out to me this morning to ask whether I and my family are okay. Uh, you may or may not be aware that we've had very severe flooding right here in my region because of uh, a storm that just got stalled out over us. About a week ago, I think it was last Friday, that it really started raining really hard. And it rained hard for a really long time, and a storm just didn't move through. And um, it it flooded quite a lot of areas in our neighborhood. My kids have been off of school for the entire week because of all the flooding. Uh, We personally are fine. I mean, my, my house was not seriously threatened by the flooding, although it got a whole lot closer there than I than I ever thought it could. We have uh, my house is on a top of a little hill. I mean, it's not like we're really on a hill, but from the back of my house going down, I have a yard that goes down maybe 100 feet or so in length. And then in elevation change, it's maybe 12 or 15 feet from my porch all the way down to the bottom of the yard. And I thought we would never, ever have to worry about flooding being that high up. And there's a, there's a drainage ditch that runs behind my house where, um, when there's a heavy rain, the, the purpose of the ditch is to funnel all the rain into the river, which is uh, downstream, of, I don't know, a mile or so. Well, there was so much rain that the water got about six feet deep in my backyard. And um, that's about, I don't know, five and a half feet deeper than it's ever gotten before. And so <laughs> I was really getting concerned there uh, for a while because... At the time it got the deepest, it had not stopped raining yet. And I thought, well, man, if it keeps raining like this, it really could get all the way up uh, here and uh, come into my house. But thankfully it stopped raining, the water receded, and um, the the ditch behind my house is still completely full, and normally it's empty. Uh, But, you know, the the water is receding gradually. But there are areas where houses are still uh, two feet deep in water. A couple of my faculty have... uh, are homeless now because their their houses were overflown uh, two to three feet deep in water. The cars were destroyed, and it, it's a bad deal. So I, I really appreciate um, the person who reached out and asked how we were doing. We personally are fine, but the region is in bad bad shape. So we're we're hoping the recovery will, will be speedy, but it, it might not be. It could take a while. Anyhow, the the topic that I wanted to talk about today is one that's been on my HPR to do list for quite a long time. And I thought it was time to do this because the queue is getting kind of low 
I think when I record this and post it, I will have like only a week before <laughs> Uh, my turn comes up so that we really need more shows. And if nothing else, I think this show will provide impetus for other people to contribute shows because I'm talking about a topic that I don't really know a whole lot about and so I'm going to mess things up, which will hopefully be just the prompt that a lot of the experts out there need to um, respond with their own shows where they set me straight. <laughs> okay, so that's a challenge, y'all. Figure out what I messed up and then respond with your own show to set everybody on the right path. So what I'm going to talk about is make files. If you've ever built anything from source code, you know that you often have to type a command make all or make something. And uh, if you've never looked inside the make file, you might not really know what's going on. You just know you type that command and then a whole bunch of crazy stuff starts happening and hopefully at the end of it you've built your program and you can install it and run it. Well, you can also do make files for other things. The title of the episode is Make Files for Everyday Use. And uh, I, the only way I use make files is with the various uh, like HTML projects that I do or with some of my more complicated LilyPond project. So uh, I'm a composer, or I, I haven't written anything in a while, but I've written quite a lot of uh, pieces of music and I use LilyPond as my notation editor. And uh, LilyPond is unusual for notation editors in as much as it, you, you essentially write computer code that is then compiled and output as PDF or MIDI or um, PNG files or things like that. But you're starting with source code and you're compiling it. And so it actually makes quite a lot of sense to use a make file. Most of the time, I mean, most simple LilyPond files don't require make files. You just type the command LilyPond followed by a space, followed by your LilyPond source file, and then it will do what you want. However, there are some projects, when, when they get large and have lots and lots of uh, dependent files and things like that, sometimes it can really help to use a make file to keep track of everything. Um, one example of this is the CounterPoint workbook that I wrote in 2009, which is one of these things that combines text and musical examples. So there, there are paragraphs of text, and then there are scores of music interspersed in there. And I used a, a part of the Lily Pond, um, what do I want to, a part of the Lily Pond code called Lily Pond Book, which is essentially a, a big long Python file. But um, it allows you to combine freely uh, LaTeX and Lily Pond in such a way. So you're using the LaTeX uh, spelled LaTeX. Um, which is great for document processing, especially in the sciences where you have to do complicated formulas and things like that. Well, um, you can use LaTeX and LilyPond code in such a way that you get these beautiful books with text and musical examples interspersed. And uh, it works wonderfully. Once you've got it set up, it works wonderfully. It can be a little bit difficult to make it compile the first time. And uh, the commands are kind of long and have many options and specifications for output files and things like this. So I found pretty quickly once my CounterPoint project got going that I needed a make file to keep track of it or else I would never get it done. And so I created, uh, I think that was my very first make file was for the CounterPoint workbook and I've uh, put it in the show notes so that everyone can see. And essentially what you do with a make file is you store the commands that can be very complicated, and you you tell it, uh, you give it some targets, so you can say make, 
and then you have uh, various targets. One of the targets is all, and then you can specify whatever targets you want. Um, I have a target called PDF, I have a target called web, I have a target called keep, and another target for cleanup called clean. So when you type make clean, it uh, completely deletes the build directory. Um, and then there's another one, a make archive, which will run a series of commands to create tarballs excluding the output files and things like that that are not actually part of the source code for the book. And then it creates both a tar and a zip file and saves them in a nice safe location. And so um, at the top of the make file is where you can put various um, variables that you want to use. And so in the one that I have here, the first thing is I tell it which shell I'm going to use, uh, slash bin slash bash. And then I tell it what the main file is that I'm working on. And it's uh, workbook underscore main. And then I give the name of an output, output directory called out. And then my web output directory is HTML out. And then uh, some kind of optional things. I, I give it a viewer, viewer equals events, browser equals Firefox. And then uh, this is next where I start uh, putting together some commands. So the first command is lilybook PDF. So lilypond book can output in different formats. One of the, I mean, the one I wanted mainly for the workbook was PDF. And it, it runs a slightly different uh, command than if you're doing HTML output, for example. So I do lily, lilybook underscore PDF equals lilypond hyphen book space double dash output equals dollar sign open parenthesis outdoor close parenthesis. And so that's substituting in the value that I gave just above for the output directory. And then there's a space, another double dash PDF, which tells it the output format to do, space, dollar sign, open parenthesis, file, and that tells it the, uh, it substitutes in there the variable workbook underscore main, close parenthesis dot L-Y-T-E-X. Litex is the extension I use for the LaTeX files that are going to be incorporating LilyPond code in them. And in these uh, Litex file, L-Y-T-E-X files, uh, I don't usually put the LilyPond code directly there. I use includes. And so at the right point for an example, it says to include the LilyPond file that is located at the path specified there. And so there end up being lots and lots of dependent files. And this, this make file is a little simpler than some of the other ones that you might make because the LilyPond book script itself actually uh, has, has components in there that keep track and we'll check to see whether files have been changed and to see whether it needs to actually compile anything or not. In the example I'm going to look at next, uh, I, I, I'll show you how you can tell it. When I make a PDF, you need to check all of the files with these extensions or these two specific files. And if there's any changes, then yes, you build it. If there are no changes to those files, then no, don't bother. Uh, so anyway, I set up a, a lilybook PDF command, and then right below that, there's an HTML command for if I'm running a, a, it in uh, HTML. And then I have another command called PDF, which uh, will change into the output directory and then run the PDF LaTeX command on the file there. Then for if I'm doing HTML, I cd to the web output directory and run the latex to html command on the file. 
Um, there's also a function in LaTeX where you can make an index, and so uh, it will also check to see whether the index needs to be run, and will uh, make that. So that has to CD into the output directory and then run the uh, make index command on the file. And if I've added any new references in the book, you know, footnotes and whatnot, or um, a new index. Actually, the, the bibliography is a different. <laughs> LaTeX can also do bibliographies really wonderfully. That, that, that's a separate thing. I got confused there for a moment. Uh, the index is where, uh, during the text of your LaTeX file, you can tell it, please use this word as part of the index, and it will automatically add the word to your index at the end of the book and tell which page it's referred to on. So it, it's really, really smart that way. So then um, my target for all, when, so when you type make all, it will do both PDF and web. You can also type make PDF, and if you do that, it will do the uh, lily pond you know, book PDF commands. It will rerun the index, it will make the PDF, and then it will open up the result in the events PDF viewer on Linux. Uh, the web target has it run the lilybook HTML version of the command, and then it, uh, it moves all of the web files over into a certain directory. And then there, it looks like, I, it's been a long time since I did this, but it looks like for the web version, there is a, a sed script that I run on the output to fix a few things. It, it probably adds some lines to the, um, to the HTML header section to, um, I think what I did was I, I added a few lines up there in the header to make it mo uh, mobile friendly and stuff like that. Then um, the make keep target will take the uh, PDF file that was generated in the PDF command and then uh, rename it and move it into the top directory and also update the PDF info, so like the, the metadata. There, there are some errors in the metadata that make it so that the table of contents in the PDF is all jacked up, and so I uh, run a little update info thing on the PDF using PDFTK, and um, that makes a nice clean PDF with a, a table of contents just how I want it. Um, the, and then there's clean and web clean and archive and so forth. Um, so uh, I have another example in the show notes for one of my Lily Pond projects for uh, a song cycle that I wrote called Canciones para Niños. And I've, I've got a songs for children based on poems by Federico Garcia Lorca. And I will have a link to the, the web page on, on my website where you can actually listen to all the songs if you want to. And I think I may even have the Lily Pond source files up there. But this one, so there are nine songs in the collection, and using the make file, I can compile any single song from the collection, or if I type uh, make score, it'll do the entire collection as one big PDF. And as far as the individual songs, each one has its own .ily file, so, so the extension is ily for a lily pond include file, and I keep only the notes for the song right there. I separate the notes from the um, the building of the score uh, so that it's more flexible and that allows me, uh, using the same source file for the notes, I can either compile the entire score of nine songs or the one song individually. So I have a variable called notes equals, and then I list all of the .ily files 
that there are for the nine songs. And then <coughs> here, here come some things that I don't understand, and these things would help if uh, an expert would come in and do a show about it. There is something called dot suffixes, and I guess that's where I define all of the various suffixes that are going to appear in the make file, and I have four of them here. Dot ly, dot ily, these are the two lily pond related ones, and the dot ly file is, will be like the main lily pond file. And then uh, in the top of the lily pond file, if there's a separate file where the notes are stored, it'll say include the dot ly file here. Then there is .pdf and .midi. So I've got MIDI files, PDFs, and then two kinds of LilyPond files. And so those suffixes are included. It's kind of like a manifest, I guess, to show that these things are going to be used in this uh, make file. Then there is a vpath variable uh, where uh, I think there are a couple of like GNU make standard variables here. Curdir, uh, C-U-R-D-I-R, and vpath. I think both of those are... Um, are, are things that are standard in make. I, I don't really know. Again, we need expert opinions on this. <laughs> then there is a, a section where the commands to be run are defined. So if any lily pond file... Let me see here. Okay, I think I know what's happening here. The, here is where... I define which files are kind of dependent on which others. So for any lily pond file name that is given, it checks to see whether anything has changed in the notes file, the ily file, that has the same uh, stem, uh, you know, the, the main part of the name, the file name. And then, uh, so the way that's done is it says percent sign dot ly colon space percent sign dot ily. And my understanding is that means that whenever you're using an ly file, check to see if any changes have been made to the ily file having the same name. And then if there are changes, then you um, compile. <coughs> um, so then I have uh, the next line says percent sign dot pdf space percent sign dot MIDI colon. So if you're trying to create PDFs or MIDI files, it says then to check the LY files to see whether they need to be rerun again. And then if they do, then it will run the lily pond command that has been defined at the top of the score, which is kind of a long way. It's lily pond space dash D delete hyphen intermediate hyphen files space dot D no hyphen, point, hyphen, and, hyphen, click. So it, it's kind of a long <laughs> command. And that just sets a couple of the command line parameters that, you, that are optional that I like to have on this. So uh, down here where it runs the command, I'm sorry, I'll, <laughs> you really need to look at this while I'm talking or else you're not going to understand anything <laughs> I'm saying. <laughs> but it, it runs the lilycon command on whatever file was given as the first command line argument. And then it moves the PDF output, in, output into a PDF directory, and then it moves the MIDI output over into a MIDI directory. Um, <clears throat> so then on the, the next line down, I say if, uh, if PDF is your target, then you need to check whether there have been any changes in any of the notes files. And if so, then uh, it runs. 
And then I have a list of all nine songs individually. So the, the first song PDF file is dependent on both the LY and the ILY version, uh, you know, files that um, created. And so if I were to type, so one of the songs name is lagarto.pdf. So if I type make lagarto.pdf, it will check to see whether lagarto.ly or lagarto.ily have had any kind of changes. And if so, it will build it. If not, it'll say nothing to do for this. It's already done. All right. So um, next down, the next line down is another one of these things that to me is uh, very obscure and an expert would be able to tell me what this means. I just know that without it, it doesn't seem to work right. It's .phony, .phony, colon. And after that is the word score. And then the, on the next line, I have my target score. So the score target is um, the main piece file.pdf. And I, I wish I understood better how this whole thing works, but <laughs> this is one of those things I learned just enough to be able to create my make file where it worked exactly how I wanted it, and then I've never thought about it again since then. So then the make keep target uh, says that um, if I type make keep, it builds the score and then it copies the um, output file into the top directory and renames it into a more human readable uh, name. And then there's also a make archive target where it runs a tar command to create a tarball excluding the um, compiled parts of it, like the PDF and the MIDI and so forth. And then it will um, untar it and make a zip file of the same thing so that it creates both a tar and a zip file uh, for that. And that's uh, something so that when I can, if I want to do the make archive command, it will run all those things and give me a zip or a tar file that I can easily share with someone else who might want to build the songs. Uh, anyway. Um, in this case, an example is probably worth a thousand words, so I really encourage you to go and look at the show notes to see these examples. And, um, you know, try if you've got any kind of uh, project where you're keeping track of uh, numerous different text files and having to build them, then uh, it's worth giving it a, a try, you know, make, uh, doing a make file to see if it will help ease your burden. Um, all right, I, I guess that's about it. Again, I really hope someone will do a follow-up episode and explain some of the stuff that I don't understand. Thanks, y'all. I will talk to you again later. Bye. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.